episode of Beyond NI. Today it's brought to you by myself, James William, and as always, my co-host, friend, Matthew Spires. Hello. It's Saturday, we're recording <laughs> this. It's been quite a busy week in British and Irish politics. Very crazy, 48 hours that happened. Yeah, so obviously if you're listening to this, you already know that Boris Johnson has resigned as um, leader of the Conservative Party. He's currently still Prime Minister. I've seen some shoddy journalism saying that he, uh, he's not Prime Minister anymore. That's not true. He's still technically Prime Minister. He so is he's not leader of the Conservative Party. Yeah. He yeah. yeah. He, he, he will resign as Prime Minister yeah. soon. But, uh, After no. the leadership contest and all that. Yes, which will happen later this summer. But he is still technically Prime Minister at the moment. Yeah, bad journalism. <laughs> <He'll> <laughs> pointed it out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we've had that. Um... And you might think, well, what does that mean for Northern Ireland? Maybe not a lot on the surface, but I think we'll just discuss maybe how Boris, you know, was the key architect in sort of trying to bring down the NI protocol and breaking international law with the EU and really trying to maybe find a way of stopping the NI protocol. I don't think it was out of a personal interest, but more so just um, the way to appease the DUP. <laughs> Which you know, if there's a if there if there is if there's a general election in GB soon, which I don't think there will be, but if there is, the Tories might be stuck with the DUP again if it's yeah. another tight election. Um. So yeah, well, I think what we should do, Matt, is maybe just discuss here some of the contenders who could replace Boris and maybe what some of that means for Northern Ireland. So obviously we have Ben Wallace was put forward, but he's just came out this morning of this recording yeah. saying that he's not going to run we then have Rishi Sunak who was former Chancellor of the Exchequer until earlier this week um, you know Rishi's popular but he's not popular for the policies he wants to implement this is a guy no. who wants to cut tax and libertarian be very free market and yeah. if anything he's been the most left wing Chancellor uh, for a long time in a lot of ways in, ter- in a theoretical sense I'm saying in terms maybe in of- one in one thing, <laughs> yeah, yeah, about others, but yeah, yeah. In one but thing you know, but, sure. you know, giving money out to people like that's pretty leftist idea. Yeah, but it happened you once. Know. Happened once, but it still happened. Yeah, it did happen. Um, next up, we have Liz Truss, foreign secretary. Um, you know, she's been she's been dealing with negotiations with the EU regarding the protocol, so it'd be interesting to see how she would take it on. I, a lot of people are saying you don't want her; she's too extreme. Yeah. Um, and. Really interesting story. Liz used to be like a anti Thatcherite uh, back in the day and oh, right. going on marches for her parents. And then she's Michael Govan, kind of. Yeah, but now she's a uh, Thatcher 2.0. Big Tory. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Next, Sajid Javid. Um, Big Javid. Yeah, I don't think you've actually said a lot of Northern Ireland, but uh, could be interesting to see. The new Chancellor of the Exchequer, Nadine Zouahi. Again, Trump loyalist or not Trump but uh, Boris loyalist till the end wasn't he oh yeah. well for 24 hours for 24 hours <laughs> until he told him to get the fuck uh, next up <laughs> changing allegiance was hard to hard to follow on that one yes next up we then have uh, Jeremy Hunt you know um, 
a bit more centrist, I guess. Anti Brexit. Yeah. So yeah. maybe maybe he would be able to work better with the uh with um EU negotiations. EU negotiations yeah. to maybe maybe Possibly. come to an end with the this protocol. I find it funny, loads of uh, Tories were like, Oh yeah, it's sad to see Boris go, but like he, he has a fantastic track record, he got Brexit done. I'm like no, no. <laughs> that's just factually not correct. Still not done. Like, um, did you see the Daily Mail headline that came out after he... No, what was it? He said, basically the Daily Mail headline said, oh, we're done. Like, we're just... Uh, what, what have we done, basically, was the... Oh, my God. Like, the kind of... I don't think any other newspaper t- took an angle, but the Daily Mail, they come out and say, like, oh, what have we done? We've got rid of Boris. This is horrible. I don't know. I think... Uh... I think you might see Boris working for the Daily Mail sooner rather than later. Um, next up, we have Suella Braveman. She's the Attorney General. Uh, she was a minister at the Department for leaving the EU under Theresa May. Uh, but she uh, resigned over Miss May's EU withdrawal deal. I don't think she's got a chance. Like, you know, nah, but, not, not a chance. Yeah. Not a chance. Yeah. The, the logical thing now for the Tory party to go for is a bit of a, a boring individual. That's what I said. Yesterday, yeah. I talking to a colleague, I said, what the Conservative Party need is just the most boring John Major type character they have. Well, yeah. I mean, the issue with John Major was all the kind of shady stuff was still going on. Yeah. Jerry John Major. But he was boring. <laughs> well, Ian, uh, what was his name? Haig. Yeah, William Haig. William Haig was also like extremely boring. Yeah. And he, had, uh, well, he didn't really, he wasn't the one who cleaned up the party necessarily, but I think the party just kind of self-regulated itself following the 90s. Yeah, it yeah. ended up being coming out like looking a wee bit cleaner, which like I think, David Cameron's time. Yeah, which um, Conservative Party now has to do again. Yeah, has to do again. Very tumultuous yeah. uh, last few years. Fun fact about Penny Mordaunt, a uh, former magician's assistant. Really? Yeah, and uh, she also appeared on ITV celebrity diving show Splash. Really? There we go. I like a Sajid David. He's a his dad was a was a bus conductor or something like that. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. You know, immigrant as well. Yeah. So, um, wasn't it Zawahi? Yeah, I know. Yeah, I think he was. And he's then, also, yeah. And then Rishi, his his grandmother came over from, uh, India. And all oh, right, okay. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, labor would very kill. diverse. Yeah, labor would kill for this lineup of diverse <laughs> people. <laughs> yeah. Next up, uh, Tom Tukenhats, who I've met. Um, Lovely. So he he would have an interest in this part of the world and. Uh, him and Doug Beattie of the Ulster Unionist Party served together in, What's a, in Iraq and Afghanistan. Why would his possession be? I think he, again, he'd be a bit more satirist, if anything. Um, what does satirist look like for a, a Tory? Uh, who knows these In terms days. of like Northern Ireland? In terms of Northern Ireland, I think he, he's very keen on the, the Union and keeping it together. Right. Um, and I think he would have a bit more understanding in terms of dealing with the EU. And Was he a Brexiteer? I think so, yes, okay. but in the sense that I think he just wanted to see less regulations. Right. So he had the traditional Tory in that sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, he's also chairman of the uh, Foreign Affairs Committee and he also does a podcast, uh, which is quite All good. Right. Okay. Uh, interesting guy. Next up, Pretty Patel, Home Secretary. Uh, not a chance in hell not she's getting chance, it. Like... Uh, Grant Shops, Transport Secretary. Don't think so. Boring enough that he could get a couple, actually, to be honest. <laughs> okay. That, that's a dark horse. That's this a, dark, a very dark... I don't think... Yeah. I, I'm calling Tom Tukin, not my dark horse. I think he has a real um, outsider's chance. 
Uh, Don't think he'll get it, but you know. Yeah. Last up at the moment is Kemi uh, Babnock. I think I'm mispronouncing her surname, so apologies. Um, yeah, don't don't really see her. I haven't even heard of her, from being honest. Yeah. Um, don't, I can't see her getting it, but it'd be really interesting to see uh, as well if she did. That's uh, that's a that's the Tory party candidates uh, so far. I seen Rishi Sunak uh, put out a video saying like he's ready. I've seen Tom Tugana put out a video saying he's ready to run. Do you think Rishi Sunak's too young? No. Really? I don't think he he's was, too young. He no. first came MP in twenty fifteen. It'd be a very quick rise to be prime minister, but if do you even have, would he even have the loyalty of enough MPs having been that recent to the Tory party to kind of? I think he's such a big name though, and how he's performed with yeah, it. He's linked to Boris. Yeah, but he was also, I think, if you've seen... Uh, Plus he had the recent scandal about his wife. He did, he did. I don't know, I still think... Um, and he had the green card scandal. Oh, right, Matt, Jesus, you're really <laughs> shitting on her. She here? No, I, I think he can still have the support. I think a lot of people... I think, yeah. He still ha- yeah, I think he has a, such a good media image, though. I'm on, and I'm now. Maybe I'm personally still seeing that. I, don't I, think, I think the only way he's going to get it is if Javid supports him. Properly supports yeah. him in the leadership contest. With Rishi though, like you have to. I heard Jab it's there. I think Jab it might get it. Yeah, I heard a thing with Rishi though, which might appeal to some um, people that is he's so rich he's uncorruptible, which I thought was hilarious. Uh, is that sort of like Trump esque sort of thing? Logic. Yeah. Yeah, like um, that is horrendous logic. It's it's horrendous logic, but I yeah. find it hilarious. It's so, funny here. Um, so yeah, Rishi. People with money don't want more money. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't he like a billionaire or something? Or his wife's a billionaire. Jesus so therefore Christ. he is a billionaire, billionaire, yeah. She also obviously wasn't paying local tax, basically. Was, oh. the, was the issue. Oh, that's ridiculous. Uh, and then she came out after, during like the whole 48-hour period, she came out and gave the reporters outside her house tea on a tray, doing the good old... A very Boris. <laughs> a very Boris, exactly. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Do you remember when he... Reminiscent on Boris, do you remember when he went out reporters of the cups of tea? I do. Um, I remember, um, at the time, just thinking like, oh, look at Boris, he's in a woolly jumper and he's coming out in his missorted <laughs> cups, right? Yeah. And I remember, I can't remember if it was a teacher or something said, yeah, that's a he's deliberately picked those cups, and I was like, shut up, nobody would do that. See, the more I learned about Boris and read into him. I hundred percent believe because he, he had like a big Sports Direct mug, and then he had like chipped ones and ones from Easter eggs <laughs> and everything. And I was like, "Well, yeah, everybody has that." Boris wouldn't have that. But Boris wouldn't have no. that. And then when you heard about the flat refurbishments that just happened, yeah, um, yeah. you're it's like two grand on wallpaper, and I was like, "Oh, right, this is a man <laughs> who is not short of a pound or two. So yeah, I find that really interesting and um, interesting to see how she took the same approach. Yeah, uh, uh, Mrs. Sunak. Boris Shields' legacy is going to be exactly great following this. Like, the legacy is going to be in tatters, you would say. And for he's fact, going to be remembered. I still think you'll, for you, you'll see Boris still on the media circuit, though, and still acting the clown. And, I don't know. I don't but, know. like, I don't think he wants to be that clown no, anymore. I don't know. But I don't, he is. I don't think we've seen the last of him. I don't, think he, I don't necessarily think we've seen the last of him, but, like, I don't think whatever he goes on to do now is not what he wants to do. He wanted to be. Yeah. He wanted to be prime minister, like the big, yeah, prime minister who saved people and who you know was, the ceremonial prime minister who kind of came out and did like a load of like, 
infrastructural projects and uh, built things up and you know yeah. won like the Ukrainian war for the Ukrainian people and for freedom and democracy and all that which he wasn't and he never was going to be but yeah he, he was ambitious but he had no yeah. technical ability policy wise no he had a sensationalist personality and a, a kind of populist stream to him that bit him in the ass by the end of it and now here we are so long Boris what do you think is going to happen in the next year though do you think in terms of the le- the prime ministership honestly I don't know like it's so up in the air right now yeah for me to even try have a thought on it. there's I'm sure there's people out there more qualified than that. me who will have really in-depth knowledge on it but I, I simply don't know right now it's as an outsider because I, I don't run in Westminster circles and I'm more so focused on just storming yeah I, as an outsider looking in, really don't know. I think what I well what I've said to you and what I said to your colleague is they just need a boring leader right now, something to stable the ship. Yeah. And uh, when it comes to election time, a Theresa May is. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah you say. know, just just somebody nice and stable and bring yeah. back calm, boring politics, which we've sort of missed for these last few years. Yeah. So I think that's really um, what I that's what I feel like the Tories should do, um, if they want to keep the number of seats they have. Because um, the real big test now, and I think maybe oh, there's no, there's no way they can keep those seats. Like yeah, but this is this is the thing that uh, Boris supporters can always revert back to. Oh my Google things going off. Um, yeah, well the big the big thing for Boris supporters will be, and what they can prove is, you know, if they lose the red wall seats, you know, and yeah. if, if 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 they lose them, they would say, oh well, maybe we should go back to something like Boris and look how successful we were as a party under Boris. Look what we achieved under Boris. <laughs> You know, COVID, Brexit, you know, as much as we think he's a bumbling idiot at times, like the man did achieve, achieve, I put it on in quotation marks, some, what what they believe to be quite remarkable things. And they, the fact that they believe know. that he achieved them. I think like it's not going to take very long for the that perspective to kind of crumble. I think further mm-hmm. into COVID investigations in terms of like seeing what could have been done better, yeah. that legacy could easily crumble because a lot of poor decisions were made. True, true. Because he wasn't a technocratic leader who's able to kind of like take the best advice and implement that. Yeah. Then you have like the Brexit process, which is still going on to this day and it still could still possibly like create headaches for the party going for the Tories going forward. And then after that, like, what do you really have? A Boris legacy past those kind of two things. Yeah. Which might are easily crumbleable, you know? <laughs> they're like, they're not, they're not stuck, stuck in stone as being positive as of yet. I'm just waiting for Boris to start a YouTube channel. Can't wait for that. Yeah, that's, uh, that's probably his that's next what we need. The Boris <laughs> Empire. He might go on to the likes of um, GB News or Talk TV. <laughs> Track <and> stab. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I could see him going on like the likes of GB News as a presenter. Or... Yeah. No, I mean, I mean, he completely could. Yeah. yeah. It's just, it, I don't know if that's. That's not what he wants, though. It's never what he wanted. The world's his oyster. He can do what he wants. The world's, the, what he wanted, though, wasn't. Isn't, Available to him anymore. Yeah, but he's done that. Completed, completed that, mate. <laughs> I think, he, I think he's, uh, I've got uh, a funny so story. I think he can be doing very well right now, I'd imagine. Yeah, no, no, no. unfortunate, but... Yeah. I, uh, you know how on this island, everybody knows everybody? Yeah. Oh, I know somebody who, whose friend used to know one of Boris Johnson's daughters. All right. And it was the one daughter he had with, like, from an affair... And like she doesn't want to know everything, and she came over to Ireland to study in the south, 
um, to get oh, away right. from it all and we keep away from the British press. <laughs> she looks the spit of him. Oh. And like people here are like, ah, Bojo, Bojo. And then apparently what happens is anytime he's brought up, she just leaves the room. Really? Yeah, like God love her, like that must be difficult. That so. can't be easy now. No, 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 far from so. it. So. But I just find that funny. It's like, you know, anyone decided, oh yeah, well, sure, I know. <laughs> I know so. so. Yeah, I yeah. know my dad knew someone who knew George Bass. Yeah. Did you also see this morning the education secretary give a middle finger to the press? Yeah, was it the public. It wasn't yeah, the press. It was the public. public. Yeah, she's a charming woman. Yeah, honestly. Uh, which I'm going to stick up for her actually for a wee bit. Okay. Uh, <laughs> You're sticking up for a lot of Tories right now. So <laughs> oh, high times change. The older you get, the more right wing and better you become. But uh, yeah, no. Um, but like, if you had a crowd of people calling you scum and shouting at you and everything, like, it's very natural to go, yeah, fuck you back. No, no, if you're a secretary, if, you, if you're in the government, you just gotta, that's like stick you just gotta deal with, like, fair enough. You don't think, like... But on a personal level, no, I'm talking about, you know... Yeah, in your head you do it, I'm sure. Yeah. But, like, she's not the first secretary who's been yelled at by the crowd. Yeah, well, that's why I can never come from a uh, minister, because I'd just be like, Err! You'd just be like, oh. <laughs> what's happening? I'm having a wee fight here. <laughs> uh, you yeah. go full on a... Oh, what was your boy's name who... He punched the guy. From the new new Labour government. I know exactly what you're talking about. The names are... He was the dude who, like, was able to be... Remain quite friendly with both Blair and Brown. Was it Ken... Oh, Ken Livingston, was it? Oh. Oh, I can't remember. He was, like, quite heavy sad dude. Dude, like, hit him with the egg. Yeah, I know. Like, I know. Him in the face. Yeah, I know exactly. Which everyone was... It was funny because everyone was there, like, yeah, fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, if you get hit by an egg on the head, it's like, yeah, you can take it. So yeah. Dude, like, oh, yeah, definitely. definitely. Yeah. That's what politics just, should be. Everyone just laughed it off. He was on... He was on, like, a... That was never... He, he was also on... What was that? Comedy po- political panel show. The, the week... <laughs> I can't... The week it was. No. Uh, or... Um, Leads the world. Ian hit. It's got Ian Hislop in it. Oh, um, the one that had Boris Johnson on it as well. Have I got news for you? Have I got news? For, yeah, he yeah. was on. Have I got news for you? I know exactly. And your then problem. said Ian Hislop, you'll get one as well if you're not careful. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's pretty funny. Start swagging. Ask questions later. Uh, but yeah, look, that's Boris covered. Um, it's still a very fresh developing story. Um, so we'll keep up to date with it and what it means for this part of the world um, Matt's done another article uh, on religion and politics and he's not up yet at all anywhere but uh, we're in the middle of writing about it uh, and he would like to discuss it in this week's episode because I don't want to discuss Ed I just want to discuss like the idea of we haven't talked about religion we're in Northern Ireland so it's like yeah Right episode 50, we may as well like, try broach it in some kind of form or way. <laughs> I don't want to, but here we are. There's no government change, what do you want? <laughs> <laughs> News is short. <laughs> so, yeah, your idea is about... Explain uh, it, because I'm going to butcher it, because it's been a while since I've read it. <laughs> well, it wasn't just that. Uh, I was just going to talk about it in general, like the idea of how like new religion has impacted our politics. Not just in terms of like nationalism, unionism, but like... Uh, so the thing which I, I was talking about in the article, or what's the main thing I kind of pinpoint is like the some of the underlying themes in like Christianity that kind of get picked up by like not just our politics but a lot of Western countries' politics, but especially our politics. So you'd be talking about like the concept of like good and evil. Yeah. That kind of runs through out like Christianity and kind of like throughout kind of Christian thought, 
obviously you can kind of question whether that's just like something that's maybe inbuilt into humans or if yeah. but like at the end of the day it's come through Christianity and it's like kind of been best represented within like the Christian ideals possibly yeah in the western world at least obviously not in other parts of the world it would be different it's like good and evil uh, you are let's say a part of a religion and then anything that is outside that religion is evil and you kind of view it as like kind of darkness or like in a shadow or whatever that is I think then that kind of obviously becomes a parallel for how we kind of treat treated maybe certain ideas for a long time or like we how yeah. the common they, they use like I used two like examples in the article of being like, well, there's a Cold War where you've got like the USSR, which was effectively like the evil, corrupt empire who were trying to like you know destroy uh, the good God fearing, good Christianity of the West, yeah, world, yeah. Uh, uh, capitalist, uh, and obviously the, the which USSR, is language Reagan used plenty of times. He was one who, yeah. who effectively created the the idea of the evil empire. Yeah, he was the first to use that kind of terminology. At least he was the first to use it. Who was you know of a like a, a a competent you know political position. Yeah. Uh, he his like his wording also was like about it being like uh, let us pray for the salvation of all those in that totalitarian darkness. Pray they will discover the joy of knowing God. Was something that he said about the USSR. It's very. It's it sounds like something a soldier would say before a crusade. Yeah. You know, it's it's got. May our enemy come to the ways of the light by my blade. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it really does. Yeah, like yeah. you know, you feel like you're you're a warrior of God. Almost yeah, when exactly. He speaks about that. And Reagan was very good at like kind of, enfranchising certain ideas into his uh, his speeches. Right, I. Um, <laughs> Cancelable moment. Uh, oh dear. <laughs> right. I absolutely adore Reagan's speeches. I disagree with. Everything the man thought politically, yeah. But oh my god, also hilarious, absolutely hilarious. He had a joke, and I'm like, he oh, like, he did have a joke. Could could have done stand up in my opinion. Yeah, great, probably. hilarious guy. He was always a performer, like as well. So he, yeah. he kind of just had that ability to get into a speech. And like, have you ever present it? Have you ever heard the the story when he was in Berlin and a balloon popped and it sounded like a uh, a shot? Um, oh, so, so a balloon pops. And it sounds like a gun being shot. Yeah. And he just looks off and goes, Missed me. <laughs> it's amazing. It's so dead. Huh? <laughs> was, was that after he did actually get shot? So then it was like, Yeah, yeah. I tried again. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. If you like political speeches, Reagan is up there. Reagan's definitely got like a good oratory ability. Yeah, yeah, he's, yeah. He's, he's very good. And also, and, but then that was like an example of like the USSR kind of cult glory was. Like this kind of existing, if you want to call it like the West, like an existing empire, yeah. kind of having like an enemy to kind of cast as like, you know, eagle. Mm-hmm. And then you have like the Reformation, which is a completely different thing, which is corruption within the empire or a group of people within the empire viewing the establishment as corrupt. Yeah. Depending on which position you were in the, the Reformation, which is for people who don't know what the Reformation was, it was never effectively kind of Martin Luther like created he didn't create it's, it's hard to explain basically it was the creation of the Protestant kind of religion that came out of uh, certain issues within the Catholic Church at the time yeah and it, the Catholic Church wasn't a big fan of it so they had a counter reformation as well which kind of updated their ideas but also like there was a lot of fighting that happened and <laughs> a lot of fighting issues that came about <laughs> from it uh, which kind of it, it also shows that I kind of like 
constantly good and evil. Even within the good, there's always like this kind of fear of an internal evil yeah. appearing within the good. This like kind of you know rotting corruption that can can appear within your your kind of selves, yeah. and it, that from the Christian perspective needs to be fought against. Uh, from whether you are the underdog or the kind of establishment. I, I use those words very carefully because, like, the idea of now the establishment is obviously a big thing in our modern politics. Well, first of all, I always say, well, what is the, your establishment? Because when people say the establishment, I'm like, well, what do you mean? Excuse me. Yeah. Do you just mean those in power? Yeah. Because then your political position would change then very quickly with whoever is the establishment. Exactly. You know? I think it's more so, like, the idea of, like, a... I suppose now the idea of establishment is possibly, like, a neoliberal kind of a mm. order which not order but like a neoliberal system that kind of feels like it's got a stranglehold on certain like levers of power I guess yeah economically especially if we were were talking about like kind of the reaction of most populist kind of in recent times and Mm -hmm. then yeah what was it talking about yeah so like the reformation like this kind of like idea of like establishment against like a a kind of underdog story which you could easily you could easily bring that to the north yeah easily so, so like what mid-60s the establishment of the unionist state versus uh, state. civil, civil yeah. rights marchers you know completely yeah and it's it's like this idea that you're fighting for good the other side is evil and each side can kind of take that position yeah and you and you, know, you and themselves you you argued that then this is this is directing influence through the teachings of christianity which obviously yeah. when it comes to this island uh, it's every, yeah our culture like yeah, yeah it's it's like even today, people who aren't people who aren't religious still call themselves Protestant or Catholic. Yeah, and not only that, people who aren't religious still end up getting influenced by like the religion that yeah. you know they see all around them, and it kind of just ends up becoming a feature of especially our politics, where unionism and nationalism both do have like deep like influences through like yeah. uh, Catholicism and Protestantism, uh, and I, one one of the things that I kind of point out is also like the idea of conversion is quite a big thing so through either co- course of means or as i say them elective in the sense elective is in the sense not of uh election but in the sense of like an elective almost like surgery like the idea that you take the choice to change something okay so when it comes to northern ireland who was electively coerced not, co- not, co- not coerced, but he was, uh, a, he he was attempting to like a lot, create yeah. a lack of change. Well, Terence O'Neill was obviously one of the people who kind of had this quote where he said, uh, it is frightfully hard to explain to Protestants that if you give Roman Catholics a good job and a good house, they will live like Protestants, mm-hmm. which is flawed logic, yeah. <laughs> to say the least. And Terence O'Neill was, in terms of his political position now, it looks like a very flawed man. But... What what it presents is like the idea that there is like a the, at the at that time maybe there was like a, a way that you could convince you know, uh the other side like the people who like you view as like the opposition into like a kind of conversion to like your side. Yeah, like you. What's the word I'm looking for? Where you it's like that social cohesion? You make everybody the same sort yeah. of. Yeah. Yeah. That you can like bring people in. Yeah. And that you can like stop that. What they, what like you would view as evil if you were like on a, of a particular political position. Yeah. And I do think that that, you know, that logic goes right throughout like, you know, even, uh, what do you call it? Um, 
colonialism as a whole you know the idea that you go and like you convert like savages to like you know yeah, yeah. christianity well like that, that's yeah. that's what the brits did effectively yeah. right most of the time they're like the spaniards well, as well yeah like it's hey these god or these you know they don't know god and they yeah. have to convert them and change them like the portuguese spanish as the brits it becomes like a logic as to why you have to go and like put yourself before these people and like yeah. that you are like someone who's going to like show them the way and all this and that so do you Which then even comes to like America and like Iraq and all or not Iraq yeah. and like Afghanistan and all that. But bring it bring it back to Northern Ireland, do you then think that's still a key motivator in the political scene here? So Yeah. I, I can I, I feel like I can quite clearly see it from the DUP. Yeah. You know, because there's still that heavily religious element within it, which goes on about, well, we're carrying out the duty of the Lord, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Essentially, whether that be gay yeah. marriage or abortion, and trying to stop those sorts of things. Which is like God save the Queen. Like it's not just like it's like they could easily for like if you're someone who's like is that the peace board, you can quite easily make that link between like you know God and like being British and yeah all that kind of kind of stuff. So it's we are the chosen. We people, are. Sort of, yeah. I mean, near enough every Christian nation at some point has believed themselves to be like a, a chosen nation. Well, again, if you look at unionist and loyalist culture, yeah, where, you know, God's country is, God's country. is uh, a phrase yeah. thrown about so casually. Yeah. yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, satirically sometimes now at this point. But, yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. but yes. If this, is so God's, yeah. if this is God's country, God help us. God help us. <laughs> we need some God right now. Uh, <laughs> But one of the things that I also think, think is quite interesting is, uh, I'll move on to some like the more direct, this is more like an offshoot, but like how political speaking is done here and how that's like being influenced by religion. Go on. Paisley was obviously, I mean, I remember reading something about Liam Neeson, uh, hearing Paisley for the first time and thinking what, what his first thought was, this guy is like such a fantastic performer. Yeah. And that was, like, Paisley came from, like, a very deep-rooted, like, you know, kind of uh, preaching kind of idea, idea of, like, you kind of get the crowd going in terms of, like, the fervent of, like, yeah. uh, this kind of... Well, the proselytizing, the proselytizing yeah. you know, and... The idea that you are putting, like, this, you know, you these big, fantastic ideas out to a group of people, and then you're kind of... Then he just converts that to, like, political speech-making. Yeah. Uh, and then that kind of becomes a massive part of like Northern Irish I think speech making in general becomes like this idea that you know you're not just really following this British idea of like being kind of quite upright proper uh, and uh, formal in your kind of speeches you, you are a little bit more passionate a little bit more informal sometimes maybe even a little bit more you know, sometimes I'll throw a joke in there and all that kind of stuff who else would you say in today's sphere, sort of, Jim Alistair. Yeah, oh, yeah, that, that's a good point. Jim Alistair, yeah. For sure. Anybody maybe um in the national nationalism sort of circles? Uh, do you think he even comes close to that? Um, I think what I would say about the national circles is I think the kind of speaking, I think probably could still be related to a religious kind of speech speaking, but then I think it's it's from a different kind of speaking i think even whenever i hear nomi long one of the things that nomi long reminds me of is she's not a nationalist but i'm just using her she reminds me sometimes whenever i hear her speaking of like 
it's a little bit more like an upright kind of, uh, you know, reverent kind of okay. kind, of, kind of speaker. Uh, well, like the more quiet. Sort yeah, maybe of... quiet or like maybe it'll take you through like a metaphor as she's going through it. Okay. Like we'll. Well, that would make sense for Naomi. She's a she goes to church. Yeah. And... Even if you're alliance and you live in that part of East Belfast, and not, not the stereotype would be quite middle yeah. class and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it makes sense, yeah. So I think like you've got this kind of these kind of ideas of like how you speak, especially for like, let's say like a McGinnis who said that he was you know a big Christian. Uh, I think he made the point that he was more Christian than he not not that he's more Christian than he was Catholic, but like the idea that he kind of viewed it as like after seeing all the things that he saw in the world and he kind of got to go, go like a lot of places, mm. he saw himself as more wider Christian than just kind of specifically Catholic. Yeah. Um, but still, I think obviously him and probably Jerry Adams probably both were quite, you know, familiar with like a kind of how speaking would have been done through, I think one of the first times you do hear probably speaking like in kind of a front of a crowd back then probably was in a church. Yeah. Well, Not now, but back then I imagine. Well, I think for... A lot of people, historically, religion was the great entertainment of the week. Yeah. You know, so it makes sense that those who speak would have to have a gift for it or... And not only that, like, in such a way. you're like... It's not about for, for... Like, speaking in front of, like, a religious crowd usually is not, like, a debate. It's... Yeah, yeah it's, I don't know. It's a presentation of ideas. It's like a... Which, which kind of converts more to, like, a political speech that you're making. Mm. because a political speech isn't meant to be a debate either it's meant to be a it's just you have to convey you're, an you're idea you're talking to yes. your crowd yeah. and you have to be able to do that in a way that gets them up and ready for it um, so I think like quite naturally why you would be inspired by religious figures in, time, in terms of your like a political speech making is like quite obvious yeah which I don't think the British are as much at least not that I know of Whenever I think of the English, um, I don't think of like a kind of religious y kind of vibe to their speeches. Yeah, I feel maybe in Scotland it's a bit different. Maybe in Scotland. No, yeah, you're right. I, I, I can think of one or two examples Gordon of Scotland. Brown even had a wee bit of a. Yeah, there was yeah. a. Well, he came from a religious he background, did, so that yeah. was. His dad was a. Reverend, wasn't he? Yeah, 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 so. I said that I enjoyed a good Gordon Brown speech. Gordon Brown was a, 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 a good speaker. But then the funny thing is with, uh, with uh, Tony Blair, he was a bit more. Because he studied well, he, law. He studied law. He was a little bit more barrister. He was yeah, more yeah. Well, most people thought Tony was from England and not Scotland for yeah, three years. Exactly. You know, so I think that played into it as well. For he, him. he was a little bit more. Yeah. Up, up, uprighty kind of with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he stiff upper lip sort of. Stiff upper lippy. Yeah. You know. Uh, yeah. And Gordon, you know, would send you out the battle. You'd be like, hey, <laughs> "I'm gonna go. Let's go, lads. We're three nil down." Brave heart and all that, you yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> Sorry, to, should have said this earlier in the Boris Johnson part, but I made a joke the other day uh, saying that uh, the UK government's in a big relegation scrap. <laughs> you should bring Neil Warnock in until the end of the season. Guess I'll die. <laughs> yes. And then I seen somebody had put up a Twitter like, You've got to die for free votes! <laughs> <laughs> You've got to die! Uh, get uh, Warnock in. <laughs> and then. Um, one of the one of the other things I kind of, I kind of was thinking about, which isn't even I don't think I make well I, I maybe I refer to it in the article, but the kind of way that division happens within like our political parties or like our political ideologies, which is mainly nationalism and, and unionism. Well, no, I'm not. We've entered the 
the other now come on. Keep yeah, on. no, there's post, also another post twenty two election. We have now three distinct groups. You like to think it's too too early for the other to get divided. <laughs> it, <laughs> it just showed up. It will happen. It probably will happen. It probably will happen. Um, we're a bit early, but you know, we'll, no, it's a hundred percent. Maybe we can protect something about that. Uh, can I say in ten years that will happen? Sure. Yeah, I'm going to spoil it. No, James, you can't. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. you, will get, you will get so many of those within all, I think, some of the lines Alliance break is, off. There is, like, a wide variety of ideas within Alliance. Yeah. It's a, it's a... It could easily happen if they get enough votes. That some people start thinking, especially if they get in power and they have to start making some decisions, it's like, well... And that's what the lack of religion does. You lose a single cohesive atheistic bastard. (laughs) These (laughs) godless people. Uh, Maybe Reagan was right. (laughs) Reagan was right. No. no. Uh, What I was saying about like the so like whenever it comes like Protestantism, what is one of the things that Protestantism is kind of very well known for? Being harsh and miserable as my <laughs> yes, interpretation of yes, but also the fact that there are so many denominations. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, they are split up to the absolute breaches. They there's yeah. there's so many different kinds of it. Yeah, that's and true. They all kind of do exist, and like they don't really fight over it, over it with each other too much, really. Though there's quite it's quite peaceful, like the division. They, they know there's differences and I've seen it where they'll make jokes against yeah. different like I think there's a Calvinists and all that and yeah and I think there's a stereotype that Presbyterians are cheap which yeah. I don't know I've never personally experienced that but whatever but it's just stuff like that but it, yeah. it, it's a peaceful relaxed coexistence yeah. it's only free peas I would argue sort of yeah you know they're so out there that people are a bit like oh, well, Ooh. maybe not thought they're not really us but you start speaking tongues this way but like well let's, oh, <laughs> let's pull it back here <laughs> but, uh, um, but then with Catholicism you only have the, the, Catholicism you've got that you got the orthodoxy I suppose as well. yeah but that doesn't really that doesn't really come here no but, that's know. an Eastern European yeah vibe. that's your Russian kind of vibe uh, but yeah so like then whenever you look at Northern Irish politics within Judaism we, right now we have like this kind of big this kind of very segmented kind of unionism. It's very divided. It's, yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, it's, it, it, but what, what is obviously different about it from Protestantism is that it, it, it's kind of divided, but it is not at peace with that division. Mm. Like, unionism it does not like the idea that it has like all these, this multiplicity of possessions yeah. that you could be as a unionist at the moment. Yeah. Then you could be on the EP end. You could be on the DP kind of side of things. You could be on the TUV side of things. You could be even like a unionist who is quite happily an alliance voter, probably. Yeah, and they definitely exist. Yeah, definitely exist. And beyond that, you just have probably the unionist who don't vote, which is. <laughs> yeah, which uh, I, I think I remember reading somewhere there, like one of the largest voting blocks out there. Yes. Yeah. Unionist vote, unionists who see them as self and who don't vote. Yeah, so then you've got like a, I think there is certainly. And do, and do you, one, of, one of the things about it is. It's, it's, not, not a race to the bottom, but it's like a race to like the purity of the argument. Yeah. And one of the things that I think is different between the the kind of unionist, nationalist, Catholic, Catholic, uh, Protestant is, I think Protestantism has like had a lot more occasions of, there being a surplanting of, the what is viewed as like you know the, the kind of true protestant yeah. Uh, yeah that you can be that the establishment can be overtaken by someone else so there's that inherent fear yeah interest that that I and mean, then that screams inherently true and 
a DUP. Yeah. Oh, and also, must have screamed, you know, horrible for the EUP. Oh, yeah, they, they've experienced it. Yeah, they experienced it already. Yeah. And now they're past that, and they have to deal with that legacy. No, yeah, and now they're more so feared... Well, they've went for the fear of... Unions in general went for the fear of a Sinn Féin first minister. Yeah. Now, you know, the next step of, you know, United Ireland. God, that, that's a really interesting yeah. uh, link you put together there. Yeah. And then with Catholicism, I think there's, like... It's very it's very difficult to supplant. Catholicism. Yeah, it's been around for quite a while now. <laughs> it's been it's, in the game a long time. It's been uh, in the game. It's a. Uh, it changes. It doesn't get supplanted. Yeah, I think the same could be said of the Sinn Fein at the moment. It doesn't feel like Sinn Fein will change, and Sinn Fein has changed and has changed a lot. And it it obviously did supplant the SDLP. So I'm not saying it, it can't happen or that it won't. Yeah. Happen. But like it feels like with Sinn Fein right now that they have like an ability to kind of move, with the times. Because they also kill off any competition. Like, well, it's because they're a stable, united block, yeah. just like the church. God, that's a f- oh, I love this argument. You like that? Yeah, you I like really that? like that. <laughs> I'm gonna say it to other people. Be like, Jesus, he's wild smart. He's wild smart. <laughs> he 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 read Tom Holland, and all I of a sudden now like, <laughs> rip it off, man. But yeah, no, that's that's. So, also, I should say, I just steal, not the Northern Ireland ar- arguments, but like a lot of my understanding of like the Christian composition. In general, it's through Tom Holland, who does, like, the Rest of History podcast. Still need to read his book on uh, Dominion, isn't it? Yes, Dominion. Yeah, I need to read that. Um, but, yeah, so, maybe now that we've sort of made the link, let's maybe go into Alliance and where they fit in with that, and then we'll do a wee conclusion. Yes, we can do that. Yeah. But, so I, I can see quite clearly your arguments for within unionism and nationalism. Do you think the rise of other is inherently then due to the rise of secularisation? That's occurred within society, especially within Ireland and Great Britain within the last 20, 30 years. Yeah, that's one of the, that's that is the argument that I I would have made. Yeah, okay. That alliance like represents kind of some some idea of secularization or some idea of like uh, it's not it's not that it's unreligious, but maybe that it's agnostic to some degree. Mm. Which even on the constitutional question, it feels fairly agnostic on it. You're allowed to have opinions, but you're not. You don't say them out loud. You don't. You don't. Say them out loud. You, don't you know. You don't. Know, you don't come ahead and like you know. Yeah. You're you're the fence setter on that issue. Yeah. Um. And then through that, you can kind of have like a greater focus on other things, which, you know, kind of would be the atheistic position, I suppose, of like uh, because we don't focus on religion, we were able to go away and do all these other kind of bits and bobs and not worry about you know. Yeah, the existence of God and the existential crisis that comes along with that. Well, <laughs> maybe that goes back to my point then, because I think, for my time growing up in the internet, um, and if you remember Reddit, yes, do you remember? It's Reddit? still around. <laughs> yeah, do you remember that French site Reddit? But do you do you remember when Reddit when you first got it, R slash atheist was automatically it, yeah, it was your, a default. It was a default uh, subreddit, right? Yeah. And it was so interesting because I seen that as like a really sort of centre-left to moderately-left-wing sort of yeah. subreddit, right? Because it was attacking Christianity, it was attacking the establishment. But then when you looked at where sort of atheism and super-objectivist sort of mindsets, I put in quotation marks, went, I could notice a lot of that went really right-wing, and it's like the anti-trans yeah. movement. And I, it took me years to really put that together, 
that just because you're fed in this nice one block that originally was in the center left category, yeah, you know, since there's not one thing relating you all now, you know, well, the one thing is you're you not there. religious, but you quickly splinter vastly different directions, yeah, yeah. and so that's why I said earlier, I think there is that maybe that potential of we're keeping the religious and non-religious sort of theme running here. Yeah, completely. That they can splinter because, yeah, we all agree we think the other sides are bad, but then what are but we? But what's our kind yeah. of core ideology that pushes us forward, which you would have said, I guess, in kind of an earlier alliance was like a a liberalism. Yeah, but but, but I don't really know if that's a thing anymore. I think, it, I think it's a thing. I just don't think it's the only thing that was the issue. Yeah. It's not, it's not the driver yeah. of alliance. Yeah. Uh, there it now feels like they're very much different drivers and there's also a multiplicity and a pluralism of ideas that exist with the lines that one of the fundamental things now is just an idea of wanting a, a kind of rational government to, to take place. Yeah. Well I I only mean rational government in the sense that the people who are a part of it view the current government as being irrational and will take something different from that. Yeah. Uh and that's obviously why they look for reform maybe than the, than the other different parties they're new so why, why would a ref- they as as happens in, in the religion as well the new people want to reform they want to, they want to change yeah. things they want to create a bit of a revolution yeah uh, we'll, we'll potentially see that uh, if we get the executive back we're going and we'll see alliance now with two ministerial positions yep um, and having someone up outside justice I think will be the real test for them for sure so be interesting to see who gets that and what they'll do with it is that is that a conclusion for you then? You know that religion reflects and influences our politics so much that uh, on the base level, yeah. you know, it's Protestant Catholics, but on a deeper level, it's how it's the teachings of them carried through into the place the, themselves, you know, into yeah. the day to day running of our political society. Yeah, definitely, and I think, I guess there's kind of two kind of points that I thought about, which was like, there's, are you familiar with like capitalist realism? Explain it to me. Excuse me. Um, so it's an idea that Mark Fisher came up with, which is like the idea that because we live now, because like capitalism is the only system that exists, that kind of seems to be the default. The society, default. Yeah. It's like kind of just like what it is. So like the end of history sort of thing with Fukuyama to the extent. Yes, like a different, different kind of. Uh, it's it's a different take on that, I suppose. In mm-hmm. the sense that it doesn't view it as a positive. It doesn't. There's no. It, it's it's very much not like an a positive idea of capitalism. Oh, right, it's okay. simply the idea that because capitalism is the only thing that exists, we can't like envisage alternatives. Right. Because oh. we only, we have all lived within a capitalist world. We've all been in a capitalist world for so long. The kind of like trying to like portray an alternative in our head is just so difficult. Yeah, because all our thoughts think about the whole how to be we make it work within the current system. Yeah. Or, okay. Okay. Or. If you're like trying to create something that goes against capitalism, you can only do that from the position of knowing what capitalism is. So even your reaction to capitalism uh, is is a reaction to capitalism. Okay, right. So you live in like a capitalist realism where the only real you know is capitalism. I don't like that. Yeah, it's <laughs> I don't sc- like that. It's a bit scary. <laughs> Ooh, I've never thought about it like that. Yeah. Uh, I should say Mark Fisher was extremely depressed. <laughs> he was. Is Mark Fisher that English chap from the eighties? Uh, he was a professor, and then he went a bit crazy or something. That's a that's a different dude. But he mm-hmm. was from he was from the same university as that dude, mm-hmm. and for a wee bit they were the same in the same group. Right. Okay. But then okay. Mark Fisher moved away from that guy because he he went a wee bit. 
yeah. authoritarianity and uh, yeah, he went a bit out there, a bit weird. Mark Fisher kind of was there, like I'm not about, <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> yeah, um, uh, but Mark Fisher ended up. He was so depressed. He kind of committed suicide, unfortunately. Oh. Uh, which you can tell within his writing that he was very. Just he, yeah. He he didn't like the kind of world that he saw in front of him, and then mm-hmm. it kind of ah that sucks influenced his writing. Uh, but like I, the thing which I kind of then say is like maybe here one of the issues is you kind of have this Christian realism of like the only like real kind of system here that exists of religion is like a Christian system. So like creating like alternatives is maybe or creating like in your mind how to like branch out from like mm-hmm. the way that things are or trying to create like alternatives would be so difficult because yeah. It's not like we have kind of a tradition of atheism. We don't have a tradition of... Which I don't I don't necessarily think, like, oh, we need to, like, move away from all the Christian values. But even trying to kind of confront maybe some of the things that feel inherent within Christianity, which maybe we don't want to see, or maybe which yeah. uh, we might want to move forward from. Even if you're Christian, there are probably things where you're there, like, well, I don't like this or that. Yeah. How do you kind of move away from those things without kind of just simply being a product of Christianity itself? Well, Um but I don't know. It's just no. I, I get what, I get what yeah. you're saying there because we. I think even though while this island, I'm I'm talking about North Island stuff here. Um, while while it has become one less religious society, I don't think it's become any less Christian. No, it's well not no not in general. Even the even the I mean even atheistic kind of thought kind of relies generally on like a bit of Christian morality and all that. Yeah. In general, yeah. so it's yeah. Like I I'm not religious, but I still like try to live by the te- not all the Ten Commandments, but by a good chunk of them. Stop, still, stop copying your neighbor, dude. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just saying they have a lot of good rules. <laughs> a lot of good, no, true not, stories there, you know. The general ones are like not killing people. You're there like, yeah, you're right. Yeah. I mean, you didn't keep it. Yeah. <laughs> like, sure. Yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, no, it's true. It's There, there is like a core there of like, which there is a core in most religions where you're there like, look, there's... Yeah. The, the, there's a valid... There's a reason why you're still around today. Yeah, 30 universal truths in a lot yeah. of Well, there we go. Yeah. Um... That was a fascinating episode. I really enjoyed that. I think it was... Thank you. I enjoyed there was, it. There was a lot of offshoots there, but I think if anybody... There's a lot to dig deeper into in a lot of these areas, and I think we will keep on this topic, because yeah. I want to I wanna read more about this. I, I was thinking of just making an article just called Jim Ass tells me Martin Luther. <laughs> <laughs> just to rile, rile people up. There <laughs> we go. Uh, yeah, Protestant 2.0. Protestant 2.0. <laughs> more rebellion. <laughs> Look, thank you all for listening. Um, again, with the assembly being down, there's really not a lot of news for us to talk about for a policy and no. um, focused podcast. And, you know, commentators that need political action here, it's been a bit tough. Uh, and since we don't talk about gossip stories, no. um, it, it, there's, there's little for us to do. But we'll keep bringing you more in-depth, uh, interesting maybe, stuff like this. Maybe next time we could do another kind of legislative legislative rules one like the one you did last time where yeah. you kind of explained something that maybe people didn't know about explaining the assembly yeah, yeah. Uh, I could, I've got a good few off the top of my yeah. head that we could do there um, we could talk about civil servants and um, how a lack of accountability is rife within it how we don't know who is in charge of what and how they get reshuffled yeah it is ridiculous in this part of the world so yeah maybe that's what we'll do next time look thank you all so much for listening And yeah, catch you again soon.